0: Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. Welcome to an exciting new episode of Starfleet Boy where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek The Next Generation. Today's episode, pen pals. Doctor! (laughs) Don't ask me to do the the damn summary. I'll do the damn summary. Okay. It's a very simple summary. Uh, Data makes a... Interesting mistake where he um, <laughs> accepts the <laughs>
1: when it's commu- data it's interesting. If it were any other member of the crew Data's the Hillary Clinton of that of that oh. show. He can do anything <laughs> like, he wants and the FBI forgives him. Thank you. Go ahead. Wow, that was really crazy. Uh <laughs>
0: It goes to show that you are not you are a biased uh, and conscientious uh, (laughs) voter. I can see a non biased, I should say. Sorry, non biased, because we know how much you uh, disagree with Donald Trump as well. But um, as well, yes. But uh, the wow, this show's getting a little political. It's getting a little crazy. But anyways, um, the (laughs) the mistake he makes is he accepts the communication from. basically the the equivalent of a ham radio signal um, out in space where um, an unknown species is trying to is sending out a general message and data receives it and it's basically hello is anybody out there and he answers and he says hi it's me and he's been in this apparently in the conversation with this person for eight weeks before he brings it up to the attention brings it to the attention of Captain Picard and by that time uh, they realize it's too late because. Well, now there, there's a whole prime directive dilemma. Do we save this child because her planet's blowing up from dilithium crystals that are uh, aligned in a specific way to cause geological unrest on a planet? Or do we let her die because it would be a violation of the prime directive to identify ourselves to this culture and species which has not yet attained space travel? Very simple. What was uh, Data doing on radio frequencies like? Is this just like a fun thing
1: he does? Is he, is yeah, he, like, scan? no, he said this is... Oh. yeah. <laughs> okay, I he missed that part. He tells Worf, remember? <laughs> He's got all that crap and Worf trips. Oh, that's and he right. he says, oh, this is oh, it was just a weather experiment. You know, so, and,
0: so the first thing I thought of was the, the old ham radios, because this kind of thing probably yeah. happened a lot... Um, in, in the radio days of Earth,
1: what's that movie Frequency, where somebody hears their father who died like twenty years ago or something?
0: Oh yeah, that was um, that's Dennis right. Quaid? Yeah. So that's the summary. The crew mm-hmm. decide to—I didn't finish. The crew do decide to bend the rules quite quite a bit, and uh, they put the team basically they they cure the planet of its geological instability um there's a whole storyline involving Wesley having his first command situation and um Sarzenka's mind is erased she'll never remember her contact with Data
1: yeah like that's not a violation of the prime directive
0: <laughs> <But> okay continue <laughs> and and the and the episodes uh that's it that's pretty much it it's uh, it's I think it's a very philosophical prime directive heavy episode. We've we've had a, a few of these now, um, and I yeah. I ate it up for that. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, it wasn't like you know the it wasn't a, the best episode.
1: Um, I agree with you. I think that's a perfect way of describing it. I, th- I think the prime directive scenario was uh, very uh, juicy. You know, <laughs> um, I liked the conversation they had in Picard's uh, quarters. I've never seen a meeting in Picard's oh. quarters. It was off the record. It was Do off you the record? That? Yeah. When they meet in the uh, in the briefing room, that's on the record, but if it's in his quarters, quarters it's, it's off the It's off the record. Oh, wow. Well, there was a lot of that.
0: Actually, one thing I've always um, kind of enjoyed about Star Trek and, you know, when we had our Star Trek 3 discussion, um, I think we talked about this too. It's just like this this crew rallying behind, you know, one individual. Maybe they made a mistake. Maybe what they're doing isn't exactly protocol. But this is a situation where, mm-hmm. like, they're helping a friend. And, you know, that's obviously what we have in Star Trek 3. You know, at the whole entire, the entire crew basically jeopardize and put their careers on the line to do something that Starfleet would not do. Approve of?
1: Are you evoking Star Trek three to get me to like this episode? Is no, that, is I'm, not your, tr- I'm not. I am not. That uh, your?
0: <laughs> I'm not trying to get you to like this episode, but I will say that the like the value of the episode is in its philosophy, and I think that, yeah, like, I agree. And so I, you know, again, could it have been? Could the philosophy? Ugh, could the philosophy have been presented and staged against a much more exciting? Uh, s- backstory or background story? Yes. So, well, what do you
1: think about what was the decisions that were made? Tough,
0: <laughs> really tough decisions. Um, uh, you know, this was one of the few episodes where I, I really did uh, feel uh, a lot of uh, kind of. I felt like Captain Picard had a really difficult situation. I was like thinking, just like, well, okay. Uh, To get right into it, basically that moment when he interrupts Picard's writing data and he confesses, you know, that he's been talking to this alien for about eight weeks and that like there's a lot of problems going on. You know, it's part of this whole system has these geological instabilities and the crew of the Enterprise is studying that. And they've been in the system for like obviously a few months now because that's how data got involved with her. It's It's like,
1: like eight weeks or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyways, um, which is interesting. It, the one on the one hand, it's kind of cool that the Enterprise does these like long-term missions in star systems. You know, like they're literally surveying every planet. They're like. You know, going through, and they're probably going to be there to uh, to observe the destruction of a planet. One of the planets that they were orbiting, I think it's her planet, at one point looked like Mustafar, and I was like, oh, maybe that's what's going on on Mustafar is that the lithium crystals are aligned in a lattice formation. I don't know. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of intriguing science stuff there. But, anyways, going back to the decisions, I think that the decisions were the correct decisions. Obviously, from a humanistic standpoint were they the correct decisions from a larger perspective which is non-interference you know I don't know I don't think they were but there's a lot of juicy stuff as you said and a lot of implications here to talk about so I guess let's talk about the prime directive for a second what what is the exact prime directive do you know no neither do I. So we're going to look it up. (laughs) The wording Um, that is, we know what the spirit of
1: it. Right. Well, while you're looking that up, one of the things I found uh, interesting, most interesting about that episode was the, the conversation in Picard's quarters and, and the stance that the different members of the crew were taking. Um, Worfs was expected I expected Worf to say something along the lines that he did. Uh, Oh, excuse me. Um, By by the
0: way, that was great drama in the Captain's Quarter. Like, the whole discussion. Oh, yeah. That was actually really wonderfully pulled off. And I thought that, like... uh, Yeah, it was interesting, like, how Worf says, well she matters to Data, and then Dr. Pulaski's like, but does that negate the emotion of it? And he doesn't have an answer. He's kind of no. like, he's also just as
1: confused about it, you know? Um, I thought Riker's reactions were interesting. I don't know if this is... Uh, if this is... He's just still pissed off from <laughs> his dad having just been there, mm-hmm. but I, I thought Riker was a was, a very um, much aligned with Worf's interpretation and he was of the opinion I mean I think he had some off the cuff mark like oh what a vicious cycle we're in or something like that like I don't know he, he seemed to be opposed to the whole thing I don't think he said it in direct words but it seemed like he was opposed to to interfering and he, he, he seemed to be almost uh not angry, but a bit Con- perturbed. I think he was perturbed and
0: concerned because he saw... Oops, sorry about that. I think he was a bit, um, ang- uh, you know, a bit concerned because you can't keep these... I mean, like, it's off the record to a point. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. uh, like originally, it's just the you know that the bridge crew basically the the executive officers are involved in it already, and then O'Brien becomes involved in it later on, and he's like, "Damn, you know," like he's like in that scene, he's like, "O'Brien, take a take a nap," <laughs> you know, and O'Brien gets his meaning. but that's more and more people that are involved, and so it's a very dangerous implication because if this is not going to go on the record. Um, and it comes out, it's like, it's kind of like what happened in Star Trek Into Darkness with Kirk and the crew. They, they decide to help that same, actually, in, interestingly, less, interestingly enough, the Nibiruans had a similar problem on their planet. It was geologically unstable and this volcano was going to, you know, create a catastrophic uh, series of events which could have destroyed the civilization. And for some reason, Spock is compelled, maybe he had a pen pal. <laughs> wow! do you
1: know what saying? you're like oh shit you just tied it in somehow <laughs> wow. I, I, i'm really happy that you're not uh you're not using star trek insurrection i actually thought you were gonna go there for minute, no though.
0: no but like you know what i mean just from the perspective of like the violation of the prime directive and it turns out they would have gotten away with it scot free so to speak if it hadn't been for spock himself Turning in a log entry that contradicted Captain Kirk's, and that's what brought up the problem. Remember, like, the, yeah, and, uh, and, yeah, and 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 it was it's similar. In, you know, in this situation, it's totally different because the crew are in in Concord here. You know, and they're all agreeing as a as a team to do this. So I don't think any of them are going to create a lo- I doubt Data is going to create a log entry about the mission unless it's in his personal log. And then obviously, you know.
1: So let me ask the question: What? Why couldn't they have just made the decision to save the planet, but no longer contact the girl?
0: Well, there was the, uh, there was this uh, specific scene where Data actually loses contact with her and is concerned. Yeah. So he beams down. That's the only reason. No, again, but, it's but Data before, again.
1: Before, before at that part where oh, cause Picard orders him. Sever communication with the uh, with with the girl, and it seems that it's only after they all hear that just you know annoyingly cute voice um, that everybody suddenly is like, "Oh, we have to help them because well, the you know. voice is so cute." <laughs> and I'm like, "Why couldn't you have just saved them without hearing the voice?" But not violated the prime directive any more than they had. Why couldn't they have pulled what you just pointed out was happening in Star Trek Into Darkness? They could have done it covertly without calling attention to themselves.
0: Except that they do with the gigantic, this gigantic starship coming out well, of their ocean. And but the plan and, and, was not to do that. Yes. <laughs> but but uh, but I, you know, that's a really great slightly question. askew. Yeah, that's a really good. <laughs> That's a really great question I'm going to reference another show that we love That we don't, that we don't often uh, well, well, that we often evoke Doctor and, uh, Who And Doctor Who And I'm going to, re- I'm going to evoke mm-hmm. um, I'm a very scene, proud of you the, <laughs> A scene in, in uh, the Star Will episode Where the doctor is going over the ride act with Amy And he's like, basically it's non-interference, right?
1: hmm
0: And then right. he hears a child crying And then Amy later on says No interference, huh? unless we hear a child crying you know like it's just this kind of thing there's something about children that causes us to want to be protective and want us to and i think that's the writers i think that was their intention here is that they chose to make charge sarzenka a child and give her this cutesy voice so that we could understand why the prime directive why 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 there's an argument there because it's true it's like it's different you know it's it's different when it's a child. I've pulled up the uh, the wording of the Prime Directive. We should go okay, ahead. If, you, if you'll let me read it here. <clears throat> Nothing within these Articles of Federation shall authorize the United Federation of Planets to intervene in matters which are essentially the domestic jurisdiction of any planetary social system or shall require the members to submit such matters to settlement under these Articles of Federation. But this principle shall not prejudice the application of enforcement measures under Chapter 8. Note that the above bears a striking resemblance to the text in the actual United Nations Charter, corresponding even in exactly the same chapter, article, and paragraph number, and with the reference to Chapter 8, allowing exceptions for enforcement. It has been further defined in this way. So here's more of the... the. Um, prime directive as the right of each sentient species to live in accordance with its normal cultural evolution is considered sacred no starfleet personnel may interfere with the normal and healthy development of alien life and culture such interference includes introducing superior knowledge strength or technology to a world whose society is incapable of handling such advantages wisely for Starfleet personnel may not violate this Prime Directive even to save their lives and or their ship unless they are acting to right an earlier violation or an accidental contamination of said culture. This directive takes precedence over any and all other considerations and carries with it the highest moral obligation. So very, very clear uh very clear in that d- data did violate the prime directive by even engaging in a communication with the species without knowing uh who they are mm-hmm. yes, so I mean it is it is or or he handled it incorrectly, I should say, because first contact is first contact whether it's by radio or by a ship um that's it um star trek this is reminding me of all kinds of star trek lore i don't know how much of this is actual canon or how much of this is my head canon or anything like that but um there is first contact Mm is the is the depiction of the first contact between um humans and another and an alien species which happens to be the Vulcans, and I think this is referred to in the original series. We know about it. I think it was like you know dropped, and then it comes to to its realization in, in Star Trek: The Next Generation. It's realized on film, um, and I think that's where the Prime Directive comes from. The Vulcans had this kind of policy of non-interference, and unless they ha- unless they saw that a civilization was warp capable, that was their criteria. Remember? Mm-hmm, yeah. So I think that evolved into the prime directive and it makes a lot of sense because um you know there's a lot of people that wonder like why aren't there any alien civilizations contacting us um why are why is there no evidence of alien life form you know out there and stuff like that and the fact is is that humanity probably hasn't reached a level of technological societal and um you know planetary prowess if you will um, uh, to justify induction into a federation of planets if there is one there may in fact be one out there right now you they're, know
1: they're, they're waiting to see if we elect trump or not if
0: we elect <laughs> trump then we're not getting
1: in the federation that we're definitely not going to get in the federation we're not going in the federation. <laughs> we got to wait another 4 years
0: but outside of that alone i mean like our planet is still there's so much conflict mm-hmm. all around the planet. We haven't figured out how to manage our resources. We seem to be um, destroying our planet's uh, natural um, balance, you know, with our our own interference. Um, uh, we have uh, societal problems like uh, homelessness and hunger. Uh, when we know. Many into, many scientists, uh, analysts, experts have said that the resources we have, the level of technology, oh yeah, wealth mm. and resources to end hunger and end homelessness all over the planet.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: All of these things are available to us, but we're not utilizing yeah. them. So yeah. as, so are we ready for first contact? Are we ready for to become a part of? A galactic civilization, or even a you know, like an interstellar civilization, let's say. No, I don't think so. We wouldn't deem people like us ready if we were more advanced. I think that's right. and that's the point. Unfortunately, of, yeah, and that's the Sadly. point of the the Prime Directive. But it's also to protect us because can you you know which we Picard were, says? Yeah,
1: that's a, that's an exact quote. Yep,
0: and. Uh, yeah, so I think that from that perspective, um, the decisions that were made in the show, I agree with. Were I in the situation, I would I would do the same thing if my first, you know, my commander, uh, uh, you know, if commander data came to me with the same question. Um, interesting thing, this is the first time we see Captain Picard riding a horse. So we've, yeah. been, we've been introduced to his love of... Um, bad pulp fiction, right? <laughs> like, and
1: now we see he's an equestrian as we, well.
0: And we now we see he's an equestrian. All these things pay off later in in, in mm-hmm. various ways. Um, and and archaeologists too, you know, we've already gotten a hint of his archaeology. Right. You know, right, so that right. I thought that was worth noting about this episode.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. And actually I would go further and say that I thought one of the most interesting scenes was the part where Picard is, and Troy are walking to the holodeck and their conversation about, you know, Troy doesn't want to ride the horse. And Picard's like, Oh, but I would have thought a Betazoid and all this. And, and she has some line about how the the Betazoids don't do well with animals because they get get overwhelmed by the emotions. Suggesting
0: that, yeah, suggesting that, and, and which is, it's not a far fetched idea, um, suggesting that animals are are somehow um, it, because maybe they don't control their emotions in the way that humans do. It's overwhelming for a human or a you know a being like a human uh, if they're faced with the emotions of animals. This is something I've seen in, in other shows too. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting because then it begs the question. Um... I mean, you know you look at betazoids and they're obviously you know on outward appearance they look just like us, and uh even you know when you factor in their little you know telepathy thing okay, okay, they have telepathy, but they're not so different from us, but um, they're, very they're very different
0: they're very different and I think that this is established. You have to remember, and I think Doctor Who again. We're going to go back to Doctor Who. It's really mm-hmm. easy to forget that how alien the Doctor actually is, right? Because he yeah. looks like a human. And I think this right. applies to Counselor Troy too. And in, in the Icarus Factor, there's that one line about she's like humans are so strange. The the fathers will always uh, parents think their children are always children, you know, and 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 even. Y- it, and it and it's true. It looks like in Beta Z culture, what we've seen so far, like there's like it's just like a different way of rearing your children, and even Klingons rear their children different. And Star Trek uh, goes out of its way to point out that like childhoods are are very different and in, in alien cultures. And I thought that was an interesting thing there. And here it's further um, further elaborated on. And I like that they. Do remind us that Counselor Troy is from another species altogether. She's not a human mm-hmm. um at all. Yeah. Um Betazoid kittens, what do you think those things look like? Betazoid <laughs> kittens.
1: <laughs> I wish Emma were here. She would I would love to hear her input on this. Um, you know, going even further back to uh the episode where they steal the children from the Enterprise, right. and when they're negotiating with that that race, Troy is the one who makes the comment that humans, or or Terrans, I forget which which mm-hmm. term she uses, are very attached to their children. But she doesn't say we; she says humans, like saying humans, right? They, uh, you know, making the distinction once again that she is not human. And, and I, I thought that was, I know it's a small th- little thing, but I like the fact that it, the episode in that small scene brought up the fact, you know, reinforced the fact that she isn't, you know, uh, that she isn't human. Yeah. And 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 again, you know, telepathy, you know, there are other TV shows where we see people with telepathy so and there are even humans with telepathic abilities I mean going back to the original pilot I mean the second pilot of of Star Trek so even telepathy is not something that is considered necessarily alien but I, I do like it when they bring up the alienness of, of Troy in the show I think it, it enhances her character
0: right and it's it's fun to imagine <laughs> it's interesting to imagine and fun to imagine how different it must be to grow up where Everyone's minds are essentially open. Um, you know, imagine raising a kid and like being able to read their minds and like understanding not just their emotions but their thoughts as well. And as we know, Counselor Troy is half human, right? If uh-huh. I'm not mistaken. Right. So, so she, that's why, with mo, you know, uh, Loxana can read minds. Like she can actually read the thoughts of other um, right of, of other beings, but. Uh, Deanna is somehow limited because of her. She's empathic. She's empathic. She can read emotions more than minds. Even though she's trained Commander Riker to telepathically communicate, and she can telepathically communicate with her mother, so she's trained in telepathy, but she's she's not. It's not a natural thing for her, and apparently, it can be taught because Riker and Troy have a telepathic um, connection.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's an interesting uh, yeah. thing there as well. You know, it doesn't work with everyone. It only seems to work between her and Riker. But that's that's pretty fascinating in and of itself. And again, yeah. it's it's very similar to Ilia and Decker
1: because I think the implication, oh, yeah,
0: of course, you know, there is that. So yeah, good
1: good call. As you can see, I'm I'm focusing on minutia.
0: I'm, yeah, I'm actually, like, I'm actually impressed. So tell us what you really think of this episode. Because
1: I'm avoiding the <laughs> elephant in the room.
0: Sargsyan, this, this episode sucks. <laughs> this is... um, what? But no, cur- seriously though, what sucked the most about this episode? Like, what did well, you dislike? Well, the
1: the, well, there's obviously two plots, right? There's mm-hmm. the Wesley plot, which I thought was it had potential, but um, they it they really lost me on the scene where Wesley is standing outside the door of where he's going to have his first meeting with his uh, team. His team, right. And he encounters Pulaski, and they exchange... They actually have an exchange that, you know, wouldn't have been... Uh, uh, you know, you could have imagined him having with Dr. Crusher, you know. Um it was a very it was, it was a very nice moment but then the drama of the scene is completely i mean you never see him walk in you never see what happens i mean i couldn't believe that they actually cut away and i don't even remember what they cut away to but it's probably
0: just, Sar- Sarzenka.
1: <laughs> but i mean it's just i can't imagine a modern show doing i can't imagine any show doing that i mean it just completely sure changes the drama of that scenario. And, yeah. and every time he would encounter uh, these people, it there was just no friction, really. It was just kind of like very pat. And then, even that part where the guy says, Oh, well, you know, that's five hours. We don't have to do that. And then, when he comes back and he gives the order after he interrupts Riker's little uh, booty call that he was going to get onto with uh, <laughs> that girl in 10 Forward. Uh, uh, Wesley's like, I order you to do this. Da, da. Well, he didn't say I order He you just to, comes he in says, and, and basically he just comes so in very f- directly, says, "I want this done." And the guy's like, "Okay." And no that's problem. it. And um, and then we have that very <laughs> cheesy Wesley smiling. Oh look! <laughs> and I was just like, "God, man, that was just really lame." Um, like, there's no point to it. Wesley learned nothing. I don't. I, don't, I really don't think Wesley learned anything. <laughs> Um, and then there's, I'm further, I think the writers of the show are further confused by Wes, or they were confused because, you know, going back to season one and the traveler, it just seemed like Wesley's path was sort of like on this, you know, engineering, uh, science techie route, but yet now he's being groomed for. Uh, command? I, I I don't get it. I I, I don't know. I just thought I think, the Wesley plot yeah. was just crap.
0: I mean, I think what's not clear in the situation is that as an ensign, he's probably supposed to be exposed to all the different tracks uh, that you can follow in Starfleet. You know, and and one of those is science, engineer. It's science, engineering, medical, and command, right? Basically. Oh, and security. Sorry. So it's like five five places you can go on on a starship and i think it's important to note that like you know just like with any school you're kind of exposed to a general curriculum and then you figure out which track you want to be on so maybe that's just kind of that's the closest thing i could say to chalk it off to i will agree with you however that i didn't feel particularly like um involved in in the story uh, on on that level again, what was interesting about the story was the uh, prime directive and sort of the mechanics of how that worked and the decision making process and like what are the what's the crew gonna do now? Ooh. That was all very cool. but like as far as the story of Wesley having a struggle in um, with the team, I think that yeah, that wasn't necessarily like, Something that, while while it's something that we all kind of have have gone through, um, yeah,
1: it's relatable.
0: It's relatable. It, I don't think it was just. I, I agree with you that the execution was poor, and you're right. Like that would have been a great moment to expand upon and kind of go into further. But I mean, remember we do have limits on how many minutes we have, so maybe they couldn't make it work. Um, that that being said, uh, the other story, the the story while it's endearing and they certainly go out of their make way to make Sarzenka look cute and and some you know the, she's alien enough I thought she was cool I thought the the really long fingers and stuff like that it was like you know definitely established her as an a- alien in her forehead and like you know she just didn't look she definitely didn't look human she looked humanoid and I love that um, and everything about it but we didn't see any of her family we didn't see her civilization it just seemed like a planet you know the, it, that was the part that kind of like you know i don't i don't know how she's allowed to just be so isolated you know she didn't didn't she talk to her parent i mean she's a little girl i can't imagine for 8 weeks talking to a stranger on a radio could oh yeah i could kept,
1: could be kept secret of course are you kidding me et well, I, oh that's right. <laughs> hello <laughs> I don't know I work at a high school so yeah it's
0: totally believable so people are like tech so you're saying like you can okay I <laughs> There's guess worse so. things. Well, that's high school age. This, she's like way younger. She's like six or seven, in my opinion. And I told my parents everything I was doing. I was a good no, little kid. No. <laughs> so, but anyways, there's like all these things. Like I don't know why we didn't meet her family. Um, you know, it, it. It's just all very convenient that Sarjanka is solitary. It is very convenient. And that they're Absolutely. able to, and that they're able to just kind of tuck this little incident away by erasing only her memory. Well, that, that uh, was the
1: most disturbing thing of the whole episode. And I know that mind wiping is, is something that, that uh, you know, pops up every once in a while on Star Trek. Uh, And and in science
0: fiction in general, it's actually a very, you know, the men in black, like, you know, there's a lot of, and it's just also very urban legend-y, too, because we do have a lot of people that believe mind-wiping is something that you can do right now. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists that think the government is capable, or many governments are capable of this kind of thing. But anyways, Mm, go on. Excuse me. Um,
1: (laughs) Gosh, didn't pick up the burp I just did, did it? I hope not. No, um, it's okay.
0: <laughs> we burp um, on
1: we burp freely on Starfleet Boy. <laughs> I'm sorry, forgive me. But uh I thought the mind wiping was was just I don't know, I just thought it was disturbing. And um I mean, they wipe Worf's brother's mind later on in Deep Space Nine, uh which I also find kind of disquieting and and, you know, I, I memories are just something you have to deal with. I, I, I don't think it's, it's very easy to just say, oh, we can just wipe it. Um, so, well, so I think the show was very cavalier about it. I do. I do agree with you that that was disturbing. Especially and, a child. Well, yeah. And well, <laughs> and I'm, I'm surprised she stood for it. I mean, I don't think she was there. It was Pulaski who did it. So but I'm, I'm, I'm surprised Troy didn't raise some objection or something. She had
0: a but. line that I think is something that is a valid argument for the mind wiping. And she says, she has to be the person she was born to be. And Data, you'll remember her. Um, Who said that? Pulaski, because
1: Data's just... Said that to Data?
0: Yeah. In, okay. the, in the scene right before the mind wipe... Um, Data's like, but doctor, she'll never remember all these things. And, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's just as perturbed about it. Data's mm-hmm. on our, our side on this argument. But then her mm-hmm. line to him is, Data, she has to be the person she was born to be. And besides, you will remember. And I think that that's an interesting point. But again, it is still disturbing. You know, it does, it does evoke a lot of fear because I think our memories make us who we are and it, they give us a sense of continuity. And Sarzenka going to have a gap in that continuity. And imagine the implications. I don't think that they mentioned on the show are, is she she's going to wonder, why don't I remember eight weeks of my life?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Eight, well, eight or, eight or nine weeks of my life, you know, and it might. So this is the same thing, uh, you know, going back to Doctor Who, it's like the doctor meets Amelia Pond. And then he's supposed to come back in five minutes and it ends up being 12 years before he comes back. And Amy is considered a crazy person. Like, she's put into therapy. <laughs> she's like, you know, she can't prove, you know, she can't prove any of this to her her peers. Like, how do you prove that? Like, it's like this man in a blue box that said police, uh, you know, like, said, uh, he's a time traveler. And he, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. It's just like... sounds it, crazy. It sounds crazy. And so I can understand wanting to spare Sargenka that because... And that, I think, is the spirit of the line of she has to be the person she was born to be. Data, her knowledge of data and everything else has now interfered with who she was born to be. You know, counter argument, so is saving the planet. She was born, one can argue, she and everyone on that planet was born to die. With the planet. which
1: was Riker's and Worf's argument. Worf's
0: argument, and so and Rikers, yeah, right yeah. So again, very right. juicy philosophically. What's the right answer? I don't know. Do I agree with what happened? Yes and no. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> it's hard to say what I would do unless faced with a similar situation. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, the, uh, the I guess you know the extended universe. Let's say. Uh, there's a series of books called uh, Star Trek Corps of Engineers, Ooh. which are eBooks, and they started, I think, in 2007. Uh, as uh, planet eventually joins the Federation, huh. and she becomes a doctor. And she becomes, uh, uh, and, and during the and in this series of books, she serves aboard a, uh, I guess it's like an engineering ship. I guess they they tackle engineering problems around the, the galaxy or whatever and eventually she rises up to being chief medical officer but there is a story where uh, she encounters Captain Picard at an archaeological uh, dig and she is re, uh, she is reunited with the memories of those eight weeks and she really? is upset. Yeah, she is greatly upset by and with Picard for uh, for having that stolen from her. I haven't read the book, so I don't know what the.
0: I imp- love that though. That someone actually wrote a story <laughs> based on mm-hmm. this this episode that like really <laughs>
1: interesting. Wow. wow! Yeah, I can see. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> uh, I was quite surprised when I saw that. Wow! Yeah. But
0: you know that is a cool. This is what I love about Star Trek: is that you know these stories can just continue on and on and on forever. What, what what? I don't know if I will read this book, but if anyone has read the book, I'd be curious to know how Picard uh, dealt with the
1: the situation. Um, I'm gonna see if I can. Am I able to share?
0: Or do is you, it only you? <coughs> At, let me ask you a question: If on your Google, do you have this little green? Square with an arrow in it on your Google command screen. Uh, Let me see. Let's go back. Mm. If you mouse over the video... Hey, everybody, this is a moment where we're training you how to use Google (laughs) Hangouts. So if you mouse over, you should see controls on the left-hand side of your screen. Like, there's a blue... Yeah, chat chat button and then there's a screen share i see screen share try it let's see what happens okay
1: let's see what happens here we go all right okay uh okay but i have to find the thing first don't i yeah you have to
0: pull up pull it up on a web page or whatever
1: okay hold on
0: oh i just saw myself on your screen
1: Okay, so, so you're,
0: it looks like you're queuing it up, but I don't. I think you have to hit present to everyone to share it.
1: But oh, you don't, just, you don't see what I'm sharing right now. You have
0: to have that screen clicked on. Click on the screen you want to share.
1: I am. I am. I thought I was.
0: I just see myself. You're sharing. Oh, it. then I'm not able to.
1: No, you are. Okay.
0: You're doing it. You just have to open a new tab or whatever. What are you trying to share?
1: Now I'm trying to get back to you. I don't.
0: Oh, just hit up at the top. You should see done or something like that. Like, or cancel.
1: Yeah, I see it. All right. Okay. You are screen sharing. But how do I put that thing? Well, don't worry about it. I'm going to (laughs) unshare. I just saw myself from the
0: future are, <laughs> that
1: was so weird. are we back to we're back to normal now right yeah we're back to normal now okay well, we'll the name to, of the book is um, Remembrance of the Daleks it's it's, <laughs> 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 it's a Star Trek Corps of Engineers Remembrance of Things Past and uh, it's written by Terry Osborne and it's actually two books and Does Terry uh, Osborne have
0: anything to do with this episode?
1: No. Okay. No. But uh, uh, Sargenka is featured on the cover of book two.
0: Let's take. A as look. well as
1: Data, apparently Data is there. So.
0: Is it Data,
1: Sargenka, and hold on, remember some blonde woman? I don't know who that is. But it's remembrance of things past.
0: Oh, here we go. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and. Uh, oh, okay. Go ahead. Do the screen share for you. Thank you. I found it, Doctor, Doctor. Okay, here we go. And then, so when you hit that screen share button, a, a menu, sh- a window should pop up that shows you all the windows you have open on your desktop.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So you click on the window you want to share. You shared my window. You shared the one that oh, had me Oh, because
1: Oh, I get it. I am right. I use tabs and not windows. Right. So that then, was my mistake. I should have had it in a different window. Window, correct. And then right. once you Right, I do, was using a tab. Right. And gotcha. then once
0: you do that, like right now, you should be seeing it. I, yes, we all are. There no. we go. That's the one. Then you hit present to everyone. There's another button. You have to do that. And now apparently okay. everyone is seeing this. Okay. So, yeah. So that's the, right. that's the image you were talking about. There it is. Yep. That's it. There we go. There's cool. Doctor Sargenka. Doctor Sargenka, very cool, and that's an interesting looking ship there. I'm not sure what class that is, but
1: well, that's that's the ship that they use in that series for Star Trek Corps of Engineers. Um, very cool. Yeah.
0: Well, there's another thing uh, you wanted to present. Is that ready, or is that something we're going to do in another Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, are you sure you don't want me to save it for... Because now I feel bad. I mean, <laughs> what although season? I don't know when we'll... What season did season it pertain to? season seven, though. See, I wanted... Okay, folks, I wanted to jump ahead and review a season seven episode today because I have a toy from the episode Tapestry, and I thought it would be exciting to open the toy on the, episode, on the discussion of that episode. But... <laughs> See, I, I don't know. I just don't feel right opening it on I mean, here, let me show you. Would you right would you save it until we did the... We'll just show it,
0: and then... You know what's cool? You could show... Oh, it's a nosican. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a Nausicaan. And Humon. what it is is that uh, I want to give you... It's, it's your fault that I bought this. Um, and I, I know that all these recent... Recent Purchases are your (laughs) fault, fault, but I also want to credit you with getting it so cheap. Uh, I was recently at a convention that that, that had a very poor showing, Um, but there was a guy there who was selling his toys and there were his toys and and he had a bunch of Star Trek stuff and he had a box of, um, it was three for nine dollars. Wow, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So I'm I'm looking through it, and we started talking, and well, long story short, is I told him, you know, th- these toys, I, because he was like, you know, when you're selling stuff, if you're selling to a collector, you have no problem saying, like, right now, you look up this figure, and it's going for like twenty dollars on eBay, right? And you have no problem just, you know, doing that. But when the collector sees that. You, you know, like me. I'm actually going to open this, right? And, and, and play around with it here. You know, I'm going to be like, rrr, rrr, you know, oh Mugatu, um, that was
0: the Mugatu, right? Oh, you saw that? Yeah, I yeah. got
1: it from that guy. Oh, cool. um when I, I told him about this show, I told him a Starfleet boy, and I said, look, I'm buying all this Star Trek stuff now <laughs> because what I do is I put the figure on the microphone. <laughs> so now I'm looking for stuff. I norm. I, I already have a ton of Star Trek stuff, but now I need more because I want them to be themed to the episode. And he said, "Oh well, oh that's really cool. You know what? The ones that are up here. You can throw them in that three for nine deal. Wow. Because this this is worth more than 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 what I uh, what I paid for. So as a matter of fact, and and the same as this one, this one." If you go online, it's you, you see some people asking for a lot more. and uh, But I, I was honest with the guy. I said, oh, I'm going to go home and open them up right away. I think you should unbox it
0: today, and then he'll make his yeah? first. And then he'll okay. make an appearance on the Nausicaan episode when we get to season 7, right, which well, let's, might let's be in a few up. years. I just want to warn you. I don't know. We're pretty That's quick. That's why though. I <laughs> want Yeah, I know.
1: You know which one I was going to save? I was going to save Sarek. But then Emma uh, asked me to open up Sarek first. Of course. And I was like, can oh. <laughs> Because Sarek t- was coming up. Yeah. And I was like, ah. Oh. So, so here we go. I don't know if you get all these plastic
0: sounds <laughs> We did. Out. We definitely did. Oh, this, cool. So it's an
1: unboxing. Wow. Oh. An unboxing on Starfleet Boy. That was oh, cool. That was cool. Mm. Wow. Oh, here, let me... I don't know how well you can see him there. There is the Nausicaan right there. Very cool. I didn't even know. So what year did this figure, was it released? This was released uh, after the seventh season. Um,
0: so it sat in that box for this whole time and you just op- you liberated. I'm in that same camp, by the way. I don't think it's like action figures and toys should be purchased by collectors. I do think there are plenty to go around, so whatever, that's fine. But when a child who really loves Star Trek or a person who really loves Star Trek wants to open one, I think there's nothing wrong with that, and I think that's very cool that you opened it. Oh, Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had a friend growing up who had an extensive um, toy collection, and a lot of the... And it wasn't me? Well, you're (laughs) you're also a friend, but the difference between... Someone else? There... I have a couple of friends who are collectors but the the philosophical difference was Well okay so first of all I met you when I was already Oh in, I know
1: who we're talking no, about. Yeah
0: yeah let's just keep it that way. Oh, okay, okay so um the, <laughs> there's a philosophical uh well the difference is that like I met you when I was in um middle school Ooh. but I've known this person for No I knew this person growing up. And one thing that I disagreed with, I don't think it's wrong that he chose to do this. I think it's interesting. And I think it's certainly, you know, perhaps his collection has brought him great wealth or value now. now that he's an adult. But at the time, I remember he had, like, some figures. He only had the one figure. He didn't have one to play with. And that was actually the majority of his figures. But he had, like, every Star Wars figure in a box everything oh my god like the that's whole terrible. no it's not i mean i understand that like he's a collector like what you said you know what i mean like it's a different kind of collector you know what i mean but i just thought at i as a kid was like, why don't you want to open them and play with them? them? Yeah, it was like, it was so alien and foreign to me and I opened all my toys, like I played with them. Some of them melted under magnifying glasses, which I, you know, like, because they they were attacked by phasers. I mean, like, you never know. And then (laughs) and then I saw Toy Story and I thought, "Uh uh-oh, all these poor figures, they come to life at night and I've mauled one now, Um, so that's bad.
1: Um, do you remember the episode of Amazing Stories with Mark Hamill? I do not.
0: <laughs> Which where...
1: going back to the Nos again for a second, uh,
0: there seems to be something reflective in that knife.
1: Oh, I think it's just a light.
0: Oh, okay, I got all excited. But
1: yeah, he's. I guess this is this is the knife that he stabs Picard, Picard with. with yeah. See, those are these are the cool details that these toys have. You know, like they'll have you know the knife that's used in that scene, and 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 lots of stuff like that. So I I, I really enjoy bringing out the toys for the the episodes that we do. Very cool. I, I look forward to to doing more of that. I look as forward we to continue. Se-
0: yeah, I look forward to seeing that Nostigan again, and when we get to season seven, and we'll have to remember this moment when he was unboxed. Yeah, <laughs> when he was unboxed.
1: Very cool. Captain, Very cool. he has a name. Captain Dathon. That's his name, Captain Dathon. Wow. Okay. Cool.
0: Every, everyone's got a name. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you are. You. I. You are correct. Sir.
0: So um, shall we? Uh, shall we give our rating and wrap it up?
1: Wait a minute. Oh. We we should consult the book.
0: The b- oh, yes. We forgot the book.
1: <laughs> Once again, Star Trek Next Generation Companion written by the great Larry Nemec. Nemec or name? Is it Nemesek or Nemec? Oh, Nemesek. You're yeah, right. Thank you. <laughs> Nemesek. I forgot that other E. <laughs> what does it say about pen pals? Um, it's very dark here in... In the TARDIS. Yeah.
0: I hear a sound. Is that like a train passing or something? Perhaps.
1: I think it's the refrigerator. Oh, fascinating. <laughs> you should have that looked at. <laughs> Yeah. Apparently, um, yeah. There's nothing interesting worth. It. Whoa. <laughs> the the writer had as an interest in horses and worked that into the episode. Well, it ended up being probably one of the
0: most significant things about this episode was the equestrian uh, leanings of Captain Picard. All right, so I'm ready to give my rating, um, and I'm going to give this episode. Originally, when I first started, we first started talking, I was going to give it a four or a 4.5. But after our discussion, (laughs) I'm going to give it a solid five. It's (gasps) just because of the, because of the prime directive stuff. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes our discussions make me like something better than uh, than before. And apparently sometimes it makes people like it less than before. So what's your rating there, Doctor?
1: Look, it comes with a mug that they drink <laughs> from. seconds. Um, I give it a, uh, you were right originally. It's a four. <laughs> You were originally correct. Uh, we didn't really discuss Data's negligence as a, a Starfleet officer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a terrible Data episode. Um, it, I think uh, it, was, I do have it a qu- was...
0: Hold on. Khan is uh, loose in the streets of Starfleet headquarters. We have to wait for the uh, Starfleet... Oh, wow. The Starfleet police to handle the situation. Khan. Um, <laughs> I So... Was Data the right character to, to to have this? Because ha- the the mis- it could have been Jordy, it could have been, it could have been Worf, it could have been you know, it could have been any character. Do you think it was right that the android who you would think is incapable of making a mistake like this? Do you think? What well, do you think about that?
1: Well, it's not. I wouldn't term it. It was not a mistake in terms of... uh, I mean, Data did what I would have done, obviously. I would have wanted to help the girl. I'm in favor of helping the girl. Mm -hmm. Let me just state that categorically. Mm -hmm. Um, But... It just seems like everybody just went along with it. So, it just seems like there are other Like, let's go back to the episode where Crusher, the people who were hooked on, on drugs. Right, And right, Crusher right. was like, let's just give him the antidote. And Picard's like, no, we can't. And Picard found a very elegant way of, of of, you know, getting out of that situation, right? Right. But he doesn't in this episode, and it just seems that he doesn't because... Data decides to play the voice of the girl, so everybody can suddenly go "oh," <laughs> and it's just like it's so emotionally manipulative on his part. <laughs> on Data's, it's, it's part, like, on Data's part, it's like on Data's part. It's like, but I don't know that he that played... scene where remember when um, they think that Picard destroyed that Ferengi ship, right? And Data finds the damning evidence, and and and. And Riker, Data's like comes up to Riker and he's like, uh, "Shall I notify? Shall I, shall I notify Starfleet Commander? 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 It's like, dude, calm down. Yeah, you're not supposed to have emotions. Why are you so? Why are you being such a dick? <laughs> <laughs> it's is, like, is being dick an emotion? Being a dick is an
0: emotion. Um, I think. <laughs> you seem to be enjoying that a little too much. I don't. I got the impression in that scene that Data was trying to locate the frequency. Oh, term, that's such bullshit! Term. No,
1: no, no. She just happened to be broadcasting. <laughs> Data, Data, where are you, Data? Come on! Oh, come on! Please.
0: Well, it goes back to my comment. Or, okay, fine. Four point five. 4. 5. I give it a four. I give it a four. <laughs> I go it's back a to my four. comment right earlier, um, though, that it was that that is the part where this episode fails is that it's all too convenient. Everything's a little too convenient. Um, but mm-hmm. again, I get it. They're trying to tell. Um, they're trying to like you know bring up these great philosophical questions. It's just the backdrop yes. under which it was. Uh, so it's a weird episode, and you know on it's the one it's mixed. Hand, it's mixed. It's like one on the one hand, it's there's so many great things presented in it, but it just doesn't. It's not compelling enough, I think, to be remembered. As you know, you forgot this episode. So
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
0: But I will say this: um, previous to this rewatching, you were just like. You didn't even want to record this episode. Um, you didn't even want to talk about it. You wanted to go ahead and skip to the next one. And now we've had, like, pretty much a pretty lengthy discussion about it. And I would say that that, to me, proves that yeah. even even the bad episodes <laughs> have something of value to I will.
1: <laughs> I will admit to that. I would probably have given it a two without having watched, rewatched it. And it got raised to a four because I'd, I'd forgotten that scene where they're in Picard's uh, quarters. Quarters. I thought that was a, that was the highlight of the whole episode, and mm-hmm. then followed up by Picard riding the horse.
0: Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, yeah.
1: it sounds like you're getting allergies or a cold, and yeah, it's I'm also holding back like this enormous, just sneezing fest. sneezing fest. fest. So, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, we're gonna just. Thank you for another wonderful discussion here on Starfleet Boy. Live long and prosper, Doctor. And we'll see you next time. There's the Nausicaan.